0: show it's lit i am here with the on again off again man who wears the cardigan (laughs) james edwards the third of the athletic i i forgot that that was my first ever intro for you um back on shoot the j i figured it was appropriate to bring that back um
1: i think that's how we when when we talked about names way back when i feel like that's how didn't we settle on the bun and cardigan months ago so that like, wasn't like a new thing, right? And you're not wearing the bun. I mean, I'm not wearing a cardigan. Yeah, so. you're not wearing a cardigan. Yeah, right, that's uh, fair. I can, you have a cool intro for me.
0: This isn't this isn't a video podcast. People can't see that my hair is down, so <laughs> oh, you just hold yeah. on me. Um j- James just snitched. So yeah, you bring up um, that we've been that that name kind of came up a while ago. Um, James mentioned it in the first ever episode. Or, well, I guess technically, yeah, the introduction episode that you did just a few days ago. Um, yeah. And and you tweeted it. This has been something that you know has been so close to materializing. I feel like a few different times um, over the last year, and uh, we finally got it to work. And yeah, the bun the bun and cardigan show was your idea actually. So go ahead and give. James I don't remember a that.
1: More. I it, I was gonna give you credit. So nope, thank you.
0: No, I because I, I went back in our messages when I was trying to find the um the the graphic for it. Um, oh yeah. And I it was your idea. So. Um, For those of you, because I feel like everybody who's listening knows James, but I think there's a fair amount of if people who support you that maybe don't know who I am. um, So I feel like I was gonna
1: say we should talk about why we wanted to do this from each other's perspective. Yeah, each of our own perspectives. I will go first to also help (laughs) introduce um, you to my audience. Sure. Even though our audience does overlap some, Um, so I don't remember. Initially, I have terrible memory, but I guess it's me just coming on your Shoot the Jay podcast, and we had really good chemistry, and we had good dialogue, and it was fun. Um, and you mentioned like me being like a reoccurring guest. I had been trying to get a um, official podcast through the Athletic. Uh, I had, obviously I join in on various national ones and things like that, but I wanted a Pistons one just because the fans, the readership has been so great since. I mean, I've been here doing this for four years with the athletic in 2017, and it's just been amazing how how much it's grown. And I, I thought a podcast would do well. I didn't. There's some really good ones in this market, uh, but no beat writer was doing one consistently. So I, I thought there was a void, and I came across you the first time. I I believe I knew about you was from post game reaction videos. Sure. And our first like real interaction was me telling everybody to watch one of your videos was it last yes. season or two seasons ago
0: so it was last season um the first recap that i ever swore in i tend to keep those pretty clean and i was really mad that um one of our beat writers um, got people to watch it because i was like i don't want this to be a representation of me like i'm not usually <laughs> um yeah so that's that is what it was um and i was like oh my gosh like james edwards knows who i am So that was pretty validating for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: You had been all over my timeline and you made me laugh. And um, I, I liked your, I tell you all the time and I've told you behind the scenes, like, I think you have a lot of talent and like in this social media world, like I thought you could have did, I think you still can. And without my help, um, but like the, uh, the way social media is set up, like there's a market for you doing the things you do, which is talk, smartly about basketball and the Pistons and, and you do it in a funny way. You sure. have a, your word choice is funny. Your voice is, is unique. Your, your look is different. <laughs> um, everything, <laughs> everything about you is different and it's funny and not in a bad way. Like it's, no, it's, know. it's entertaining. Um, and I always want to do a podcast and I told myself and I told you like, I'm going to stop entertaining, um, Ridiculous comments in my mentions. I haven't done, I've done a better job, not a great job, but I always thought a podcast with like a beat writer and a fan would be a great dynamic. Like, sure. it, there's so many things we could talk about. And so when I'm pissed at the fans for things in my mentions, I'm going to blame you.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's fair. I'm um, going to yell
1: at you and say, yeah. I'm pissed at you, but I'm actually annoyed by everybody else
0: yeah you when you say you as in me it's more of a general you because the dynamic of this podcast as you just laid out is you're the beat writer i'm the fan and um so i would obviously then fall under the umbrella of everybody else even though as we will get to um here in a few minutes don't worry we are going to talk basketball and it's not
1: all fans there's just some that clearly don't pay attention as much as others and ask um very interesting questions pretty regularly and flood sure. my mentions and, and won't stop until I respond to them. So I'm going to stop doing that because it's, I don't want, want to, I'm a very nice person. I, and I think people have actually met me know that I'm a very nice person. Yeah. Um. I, I just sometimes come across as smart ass on social media because you just, after a while, it's like, why are they saying these things? Like just watch the game, just read or something, do something.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, as, as you mentioned, like, You know, we've obviously been trying to do this for a while. Um, The first time I ever had you on the show, um, like you said, like the chemistry was there and it was it was surprising to me because you and I had never interacted really before. Like we never had an actual conversation Um, to this day. We've still never met. I've never met. I've never met you
1: in person. I thought we've been at a game once. No, you,
0: you brought that up recently. Um, no, we didn't. Cause you were like, yeah, I met you at the bucks. It was the game where I had coronavirus and uh, I didn't know about it. And I like single-handedly ruined the league. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which, which out of context, I guess people right now are hearing that for the first time and they're like, I'm sorry, what? It's a long story.
1: Um, that is not is not a bulletproof. Um, yeah, it's it's yes, yeah, it's, it's not. I wouldn't I wouldn't go on here on a public forum and say that you did that without actual proof. So yeah, yeah, I I did hypothetically.
0: It's it was a, it was it was a hypothetical. Um, you know, and and like I you know over the summer um, with with the hiatus, I, I think I had you on probably two or three times over the summer. Went super well every single time. Um, like you said, we 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 had talked about you know making it sort of a weekly or monthly occurrence. Um and then through no fault of yours it was actually I never mine. heard from you. Never yeah. heard from me. No. <laughs> yep, never. Every time you bring this up, you sound genuinely upset about it. Um we did though, um the last episode that you and I ever did together was uh breaking down the top ten moments of two thousand and twenty, uh, for, for basketball. An yep. episode that I actually thought went really well. Um that and, was
1: semi recently. Like I was on my way back from a Pistons game this year, like either preseason yeah. or early regular season.
0: You were you were doing uh, Christmas shopping. That's what you were doing.
1: I was doing Christmas shopping. That's yeah. how do you know my life better? Yeah, no, I was definitely Christmas shopping. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's like the time when you came on the show and I was like, "So you went golfing today? How did that go?" And you're like, "How did you know that?" And I was like, "You texted me at two hours ago. What do you mean?" Um, so now <laughs> uh, we'll put a bow on it. I think uh, I think people are starting to get the idea. Um, now it's not like a random Saturday afternoon and I just randomly text James, Hey, can you come on the show? Like right now? Like, can you drop everything and just come on my show? You know, now we actually have, um, sort of a, a schedule that we're going to adhere to. Um,
1: the plan is Monday and Friday. Correct. James, we're going to be dropping two episodes a week. That is the plan. Um, we don't want it. One is too short when you're trying to, one is too little when you're trying to get a podcast started. Anything more than two, um I've seen I can't speak for your schedule. For my schedule, would be tough. And even two, I just I, I can I can make two happen. I think, um, especially we'll probably go forty-five minutes an hour, so people can expect that nice uh, podcast for your drive home from work or to work. Sure. Um, and they'll be live every every morning on those days. All right. Well, people don't are people going? To some people are going to work. Yeah, I guess. some people do yeah. go to work still.
0: Um, yeah. So James. You want to talk hey. basketball? Are you ready to get into it? Yeah, man. All right. This is fun. We're going to kick things off with my favorite segment, um, a segment that I've only ever played with you. And once again, I told you I was not going to prep you for this. Yeah, I'm nervous. We're going to play a game called Questions I'm Tired of Answering. So James, <laughs> as a beat writer, you just alluded to, um, you know, you have people in your mentions asking sort of the same repetitive questions or questions that... Um, shouldn't have to be asked as long as you're actually you know, paying attention for the, the 48 minutes of a basketball game. What is one thing within the last few weeks that it just doesn't stop? You keep seeing it and you're over it. You're tired of talking about it because I feel like I know what it is. And, and just to, if we're playing volleyball right now, I'm setting you up for the transition that we're going to go into next. I'm really hoping you spike it with um, the question that hopefully you hate the most.
1: Yeah, I think you think I'm going to say the Seku thing. I do think that. Yeah. I understand why people are upset about that. Like, it. I think the, the fan that pays attention isn't saying that he should be playing 40 minutes, but he shouldn't be playing five. And, yeah, I agree with that. I also understand why he was playing five. The one that's been getting me is why did we sign Mason Plumlee and Jahlil Oak Okafor over Christian Wood? Mm. And that's just not the what happened. Like, it's. The Pistons used the majority of their cap space, which was about thirty million, to go get Jeremy Grant, which makes twenty million. So that leaves about ten million. I mean, there's a way to make it work if they wanted to to get both. They would have to do a lot of roster maneuvering, but that's the that's the decision they made. Jeremy Grant over Christian Wood, not Jalil Oakford and Mason Plumlee, who make a combined ten million, over Christian Wood, who makes fourteen. Um, that that was not the decision. There was Jeremy Grant or Christian Wood, and they went with Jeremy Grant, who. Sure has played very well and right it's people are i see that is he underpaid I, i mean right now he probably is um but it's a long season and he's been very very good
0: so that's that was going to be my next point um on the jeremy grant thing was if anything it seems like it's almost a little bit of an underpay right now and it's it's weird to say that for a guy who's making 20 million um but he's got a point differential of like plus 13 um from last year just speaking individually james here's a fun trivia question for you
1: can I ask you one thing about Jeremy really quick? Yeah, go for it.
0: What was your initial reaction when they signed? I was – oh, I was ecstatic. I, I – that, that was um, – I, I pride myself on being on the right side of that. Yeah. Um, you know, immediately I'm thinking, first of all, how do we have this – how do we have this money? Where is this actually coming from? Um, and then it was like – here's what I'll say. I was, I was ecstatic. Um, I knew about his versatility – Um, And his, I I guess, for lack of better phrasing, lack of usage in Denver, um, you know, being a what a fourth or fifth option at best on that on that team. um, I was right in the regard that it was the it was the right thing to do. Um, I don't think anybody could have anticipated that what we've seen in this last month is what we would have seen, though. Right. If that makes sense. So um, I agree. I couldn't have been as right um, as I would have liked to have been. But I wasn't one of the people that were, you know, like the, the national pundits who were, who were slamming us for it. So, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy there. But a little trivia question for you. Since 1977, a year after the NBA's merger with the ABA in 1976, since 1977, only one player in NBA history has scored at least 250 points and recorded less than 10 turnovers in their first 10 games with a new team. Who is that player?
1: Isn't it, and it's not Jeremy Grant because that would. It, it, that, it is. Jeremy I was gonna Grant. say that's not yeah. fun. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just gonna throw out like Ben Gordon. I don't know, just to spice things up. But I, I know he scored a lot of points in his first few games in Detroit. Yeah, I see that graphic a lot.
0: It's uh, he scored twenty plus points in eleven consecutive games, which is a career high for him. Um, his previous record was what? And he We're talking about Jeremy.
1: Jeremy. Grant. I assume we're not spending a lot of time on Ben Gordon. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jeremy. Uh. Oh gosh, what was it? Is it two? It was One. Three.
0: Three. It was three. Okay. Three games. Um, I actually don't know if that was in Denver or Oklahoma City. I'd imagine it wasn't with the Sixers. Um. Yeah. It was I, I guess it probably was with Oklahoma City. That I actually don't know. Um I would guess Denver. I would imagine probably. Yeah. S- so even though um I tried to set you up, I didn't quite get uh the spike that I was hoping for.
1: Uh yeah. I mean I knew I knew what you were you you're like the media. Like when we ask questions, the players know what's coming. Like I had to, I had to take it left. <laughs> had to subvert expectations. Yeah, I, um, I hate the media.
0: So, <laughs> um, here's a game. Here's another game for you. Okay. You look at this roster top to bottom. It, this is about Seku, by the way. You look at okay. this roster top to bottom, and you can pick one player and an attribute that you really like about them, and Seku learns it immediately. Right. What would you give him? That's a great question. Now, if you'd like to take a second to think about it, and then um, also let me, if if you'd like, I can answer first, A, so that you have time to think about it, and B, so you can really kind of see what I'm going for here, I can can go, because I've been thinking about this for three days.
1: (laughs) Um, I think I have an answer. Okay, go for it. And I can't believe I'm saying this now, because I definitely wouldn't have said it uh, a month and a half ago. Jeremy Grant's ability to get to the hole.
0: Okay. He doesn't
1: overdo it. His handle's not, like, the tightest or the most compact or the the most flashy. But, like, sneaky length isn't the right way to say it because Jeremy Grant, like, that's one thing we all admired about Jeremy in the bubble defensively. Like, he's long. But he has sneaky length offensively where it's, like, one, two dribbles from, like, the three-point line and he's at the hole. And I think Sekou has done a better job of that. It's not as consistent. But I think if he just was able to just get to the hole – it would make life a lot easier for him.
0: So one of the reasons I was reluctant to let you go first is because I knew you were going to steal mine. And, and that was it. Well, it, it's almost that um, mine is like very specific. Yeah. I love the way that Jeremy Grant protects the ball around the rim. Cause that mm-hmm. was sort of Seku's biggest problem last year. I mean, I swear he played all of what, 25 games, but he got swatted. I think twice double more than the last person in the league. Like he kept getting met at the rim, kept getting rejected. Yeah. Um, and I love the way that Jeremy Grant's able to use his body. Um, Derek Rose is obviously the same to protect the ball. Um, and I would love to see Sekou, because if he's going to be, if he's going to specialize as a cutter, right. Cause you know, people want him to like, he's had that confidence. That's what he does well. Right. Already. Yeah, e- exactly. So, you know, people like the confidence, you know, when he, you know, on the catch and shoot from three, um, it's always really nice to see that from him even if it doesn't fall I'm happy that he's you know like I have the ball I should probably make something happen um he had that preseason game I think it was against the wizards where he had I think 23
1: um yeah and, the second one I remember in my uh post game thoughts I wrote an apology to Seku because I wrote him off after one after the first preseason game his first basketball game in a, in a year yeah Sorry, yeah it was a wizards game the it, second it, one
0: it's that game where I think over half of his buckets were on wide open cuts at the rim. Yeah, like that super was super easy. He kept finding the soft spots in the defense. Right, they just couldn't account for him. They couldn't keep track of him. Um, and it's that—that's kind of my issue though. Is—is is you can figure that out pretty quick if you're yeah. a defense, and they have, right? And I mean, yeah. I, I can't really say that they have because he, honest to God, like he hasn't played that much. Um, right. Which is which is what where the the, the disdain for Dwayne Casey and I comes think he for gets a lot of people,
1: in but. and I think he gets in roles where like some games like he's really on it and then some games he's kind of just in tunnel vision and just stands around like I think it's a two way street I do think there are times where he's just in go mode and he's gonna cut and he sees the, and he sees outside he's not just watching the ball offensively like that's one thing people don't talk about is ball watching offensively um, and and you should ball watch to know where to make moves but he also when he's at his best, he's looking for spaces in front of him, not where the ball is, to to make those runs. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he doesn't.
0: Yeah. Um, is
1: there? Because
0: this is the thing. Um, you know, my brother has texted me I think three times this year. Um, something that you've tweeted in response. I was going to say just
1: that's it. No, it's no, no, like, no.
0: Oh. Um, something that um is that you say in response to a fan. And it's usually something, as you mentioned before, very passive aggressive or just outwardly like kind of mean. And he's like, things." well, he he texts me the same thing every single time. He goes, James is going to quit. He goes, I feel so bad for him having to deal with this. So what I'm getting at here is um, you don't often show a lot of empathy towards um. People's gripes, right? Like, you kind of just tell it the way that it is, and that's kind of it. And you've, but you've kind of done it today so far. Talk to us a little bit about, like, you get why we're frustrated about Seku, right? Like, yes. at, if nothing else, like, that's kind of all I think people want to hear is like, that even though you understand on a level that other people don't as to why he's not getting the minutes that people want, um, you know, in your heart at least, is that something that you yourself would like to see?
1: Yeah, and I don't, and I'm glad you said the way you say it said it the way you did. I don't want to say that I understand more than other people because I don't want. To, I'm never one person to think I'm better, or smarter, or see the game better than anybody. That's just not the case. What I will say is I understand from Dwayne Casey's perspective also why Seku maybe wasn't playing as much. I mean, yeah, they're re- rebuilding and the focus is on the youth, but like they have to win some games every now and then. He can't just give – they talked about it today at practice. You can't just give young guys minutes because they're young. Like, you want to build good habits and healthy competition. And if Sekou, we don't see what's going on in practice, especially now. Like, I'm not ever at the practice arena because of COVID. Everything's through Zoom. Like, we don't know what goes on there behind closed doors. And, like, Dwayne is playing young guys. Like, Sadiq until last night had played a bunch of games, 20-plus more minutes. Killian was a starter. Isaiah Stewart was playing significant minutes. He played a lot of minutes last night. Like He was playing young guys, but he also needs to try to win some games. He also has Jeremy Grant, who he has to get at the four, because that's the future of the Pistons, Jeremy Grant at the four. Um, and the Blake Griffin thing, it's just to me, that that's one thing that I guess has been a little um, maddening to deal with because it hap- it's, it's just such a – like it's every day. It's easier said than done to to cut Blake Griffin's minutes. Like, he is – at the end of the day, he's Blake Griffin. At the end of the day, this team isn't going anywhere. Sure. And, you like, if he's holding back the team from winning games, then sure. Maybe you have that conversation. But I, I promise you, playing Seku 20 minutes is not going to make this team a playoff team. It's just not. And there's – is it worth having – uh, is it worth having like not turmoil but like a butting ahead between the coach and the star player because you're basically telling them he's done yeah or like this is it or whatever like it's just not worth it at this stage um so that's in in, in Seku's playing behind Jeremy and, and Blake for the most part and it, and it's a, he's in a tough spot at the other positions for the other young guys there's not as much um uh, there's not as many trees to navigate through to to, to get to the destination and Seku unfortunately is is the one that's uh behind two uh, pretty big pillars. Sure. And I think and he's um, also only 20, just turned 20. He'll he'll be here. He has 3 years left on his deal, his rookie deal. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it's the long game.
0: I am um, just on the Blake thing. Like like you said, I I don't think there's been a point this year where where we've gotten to the end of a game and you think Blake lost this that Right, like if, if Blake wasn't playing in that game, we win. I don't I don't really know that we've had that um this season. I and also like you like you kinda said, if you get into this situation where there's this like rivalry between Casey and Blake, that's also how you get less for Blake because if yeah. you're for if you're in a position where you're like we have to move him, it doesn't matter for what. Um and it's not like Blake's trade value is at an all time high right now, like let's not pretend that it is. You and I both know what the situation right. is. You get what I'm saying though, right? Yeah. Um and, you know, having him on the floor, here's the thing. I was watching Miami's broadcast last night, um, and they mentioned that Detroit's starting five um, is like the lowest scoring, lowest scoring starting lineup in the league. Our bench, on the other hand, is like the highest scoring bench in basketball. So I think that's where people get frustrated. Um, like, hey, Casey, you know, switch something around, change something. And I tweeted this last night. People got mad at me for some reason. If you know they're mad that Sadiq Bay isn't starting games, the thing that actually matters is that he's closing them, and it's not just right. that he's closing them; like he's hitting clutch shots, um, and he's actually earning his minutes. Like he genuinely is. It was the second game that we played against Boston, um, following the that was yeah that was our first win of the season. Jalen Brown, who was just an offensive nightmare this year, Sadiq Bay was actually kind of giving him fits to open the I think it was to open the fourth quarter. Um, and he was actually competitively defending him, and it was really nice to see. I would rather have somebody close a game than start it. That feels a little bit more meaningful to me. Yes. Um it, it feels like there's a lot more trust in the player by the coach if you're in there in crunch time as opposed. And like, don't get it like. And, a, and that's a-,
1: a reward. It's a exactly. reward for how you played throughout the up to the ge- how you played during the game up until that point. It's a sure. reward.
0: I think. Um, you know, if you're starting a game, like I don't want to th- write it off as something that's unimportant because it absolutely is. You know, the way that you start a game absolutely matters. It's something that Casey has actually addressed several times this year um, where uh, I-, I don't remember which game against the Bucks it was, honestly, because we played three of them in succession, basically. And I don't remember which one we ended up losing by 10. And Casey was like, well, we started the game down nine. Right. So if you're able right. to get back any of those. Um, so it-, it-, it matters. And he- I, I kind of look at it like this. Bruce Brown started last year and the oh, year before no. that. And oh we're, no. We're going to get to Bruce. Okay. Don't you worry, we're going to get to Bruce. But people were like, "Why isn't Luke in the starting lineup?" Because we had scoring in the starting lineup and we didn't have much off the bench. And that's what it was, right? We had Derrick Rose yeah. off the bench and that was it.
1: And more importantly, no defense in that
0: in the starting unit. Right. And that was Bruce was Detroit's best on-ball defender, which, by mm-hmm. the way, is another reason why Jeremy Grant's addition was so important. You and I have talked about it a few times, establishing a, a sort of um, a, a ball stopper, you know, a defensive identity, this defensive-minded. It's weird to call Jeremy Grant a cornerstone because I don't really think that that's what he is. But for all intents and purposes, you get what I'm saying for the time being. Like, yeah. you know, you pulled in this, the tone. It, yeah, that's a better way to put it. Um, but you, you kept Luke on the bench because that's where you needed the scoring. Well, I would say the same thing probably about Sadiq Bay or Svee, whose minutes I also I sometimes I do get a little bit confused as to what's going on there. That's um, fair. Some of it and but I don't get mad about it. That's the difference. Is I I'm at the end of a game and I'm like weird that Svee didn't play today. I'm you know what? But I'm sure he'll play in the next one. People also have to remember that like I don't even want to slight him for missing a whole bunch of shots this year. Um because A, he kind of started to get it back together. And B that's what he does, right? Like Svee goes yeah. one of nine in a game. None of those nine shots, I'm mad that they went up, right? No. Because I know that he can hit them. So it's it it just kind of is what it
1: is. And people are in my mentions when he has those one of nines. Like stop shooting. It's like, no. It's That's why is like, on the team? You still like th- that, and it's like shooters to get out of a funk, you have to shoot more. And two, even when Svee was one of six, and that seventh shot went up, pretty much everybody in the gym thinks it's going in, right. Like, you have to shoot those shots.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I also think the same thing about Sadiq, who James wrote a great story about. Um, Thank you. Yes, you can check last that on night. The Athletic. Yeah. I read it. You know how fast I was to read that last night? When I opened the app, um, it was p- published 16 minutes ago. So that's how fast Man. I was to read that story. Um, You're a good friend. You know what I do before I even read it? I'm not kidding. I scroll to the bottom. And I tap, like, the what's the best option? Like, this the, is awesome or something. The green face. The green face. Fi- I tap it yeah. immediately, then I scroll back to the top because I just, I, 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 I give you the feedback. Um, and that was great. Um, and, and you know, Sadiq kind of talked about, I guess you can, I guess you're the one who wrote it. You can speak about it if you'd like a little bit. Um, just his transition to, you know, sort of moving back with the three point line and how he has to adjust with his shot, which, by the way, is working.
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's, and I, and I meant it when I wrote it in the story. Like, it wasn't like some, uh, way to transition into the story like I literally ask every single rookie aside, aside from this year because it's just hard like doing small talk and getting to know him like I'll ask about the three-point line because my first year like I remember me and Luke talked about it um, and he was like yeah it, it's a hike like you have to get used to it especially when you like factor in game legs like you get tired and then you're shooting from three feet further like people in their mind like three feet isn't that big of a difference but it is like think about a person that's three feet and a person that's six feet like that's a big difference and Sadiq is a guy that shot 45 percent from college once they moved the line back to 22 feet so closer to the NBA and then he's come here and he's shooting like I think now 41 percent after last night um on 5.5 attempts and I mean he's a guy with a strong base he's a I mean he's a he's built like a a 20 year old oak dresser like this the dresser that's been like like an heirloom in the in your family that's just been passed down it's had like yeah. old old granny garments in it and now it has like AC/DC retro music tour shirts from <laughs> i don't know what the hell i'm talking about he, but yeah uh, like you know D. what i mean
0: he's uh he's built like a shiffer robe that's what we'll say yeah, <laughs> yeah built like a shiffer robe
1: yeah and he's like he, he's he's always ready to shoot his his footwork is really good it's always on target and 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 squared up and I mean, the shot release is funky, but man, when you're ready to go and 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 you can get it off quickly, it doesn't matter how low the release is. And I think he's been very good, and I think he's going to be more than just a three-point uh, shooter as we uh, as we as we go along here in his career in Detroit.
0: And that's something that's still definitely TBD um, a, as mm-hmm. far as offensively, like the guy on two pointers. I don't know what the percentage is right now, but I remember like, like a 25%. week ago, yeah, like a week ago is like 16. So that's something that he still struggles with, which is like right now. Um, All we kind of need him for is the three-point shooting, I feel like. Like, that's kind of all that, you know, we've had him for. Yeah. I'm going to ask this not – so I don't want to propose this as a statement. I want it to be a question. Can there be a a case made for Isaiah Stewart being the best rookie on this team right now?
1: Can there – yeah, there could be a case made. Because
0: I watched, like, games last night. He gets his first ever double-double against Miami. A game where I'm watching him off the ball. I didn't realize how switchable he could be sometimes. Yeah, he's quick-twitched. And, obviously, the ferocity with which he rebounds is something that, and I I keep saying this, I am tired of any time um, a high-energy rebounder comes into the league, much less in Detroit, Oh my gosh, you see that? It's like Rodman. You see that? It's like Ben Wallace. I'm tired of it cuz it's like no, they're not. Nobody is. Yeah. But then <laughs> you watch Isaiah Stewart and it's like, "Jesus, man." And I think one of the reasons why we think that is because as I mean as as close to the word elite as you can get with this Pistons team right now, he is a pretty elite offensive rebounder for us. Yeah, um, top 20 it, it, in the league. I think he actually has more offensive rebounds than he does defensive. he did a
1: week ago because I asked Dwayne about it if that's unique yeah Um, and he gave a good answer just like I forgot exactly what he said I know it was good but he just talked about because offensive rebound is literally all hustle all heart like you're not on defense you're looking to box somebody out you're looking to go find somebody to put a body on offense is somebody's trying to stop you yeah so uh, it's it's a little different and but I don't think I'd ever seen A guy with those stats and again it was 17 and 14 last time i looked offense to defense and it was seven games in the year but i mean yeah man like he just goes after he just plays hard he he never not jogs at minimum like he's always going faster than walking like whether it's he's sprinting to set a screen he's pretty much always sprinting when it's time to be subbed out like he's just moving all the time um yeah he's a beast and i that was the one draft pick i wasn't sure on taking a center 16 a traditional center somewhat sure. undersized at that a little bit um and saw weaver the other day at the arena i was like i, I was wrong on stewart so i just kind of laughed and he's like he's good he's i'm like he, he plays hard man and like he go back to your question about him being the best rookie i think he does his task maybe the best right now sure he also has probably the least amount of uh, work to do not like physically like obviously rebounding takes a lot but sadiq is often asked to one hit threes which is again not the easiest thing in the world to do defend perimeter players um move the ball get downhill find the right kick out isaiah's a screener a roller a rebounder yeah so killian obviously like he has the hardest job of of all the rookies um and saving lee but killian's obviously the the focal point um But I think Isaiah Stewart is doing his job the best, for sure.
0: I, you know, and I've said this a few times, I wonder if one of the reasons why we love him so much, and and people uh, don't point this out as much as they should, I know he gets a lot of rebounds. Do you realize how, like, I don't want to call him uncoordinated, but a lot of it just comes from him flailing his limbs around and then the basketball just kind of gets redirected and he just ridiculous
1: kinda... wingspan. Yeah. He has a ridiculous and he doesn't jump high, but he jumps. I think I've written this or tweeted it a bunch. Like he jumps. His second jump is so quick. Yeah. Like, so while he doesn't get off the ground high um, and he's not necessarily the t- like he's tall, he's not the tallest, but those long arms and that just determination to go get it, I think uh, really shows when it, when you look at how effective he's been as a rebounder, It's it's really stuff that you can't. I mean, rebounding, you can't really measure why a guy's so good at it. Like some guys see see the, how the ball comes off the rim. Some guys are just bigger than other guys. Some guys can just jump higher. I think uh, Isaiah has a, a combination of all the things that make a, a great rebounder with uh, determination and a want to rebound. That's the big thing, a want to rebound uh, among the, the top of those. I think um,
0: it, the way that Detroit has been able to accumulate these rebounders over the last few years – has been insane right obviously we just had what eight years of andre drummond um and then intermittently throughout then like we we really amalgamate some great rebounders and i just feel like the trajectory that isaiah could be on um i again i I really use the ben wallace thing i don't want to be too comparative but like very loosely it just kind of feels like we're we're sort of on that that course there um and i love it like everything that he does on the floor I really enjoy, um, you know, if somebody hits the deck, like he runs over there and he's the first person to, you know, try to help pick him up. Yep. Um, you know, Giannis tried to fight him. I was a big fan of that. <laughs> uh, and he's
1: the, like the nicest kid too. Yeah. Like I, all the, all the rookies are nice guys, like really nice guys. The whole team's really nice, really nice dudes via zoom. And some of yeah. them I know obviously, but Isaiah is like, I hate, like he's like a sweetheart, but yeah, yeah he's the one, if there's been scuffles this year, it's always Isaiah Stewart. I love it, and that's he turns what turns it on and else. turns it off, and that's what yeah. you want from uh, from your player.
0: It was him that was like, "Yeah, I've been watching a bunch of like going to work documentaries, right?" That yeah, was him. he said.
1: He said, uh, "I think somebody had asked him what is he doing in quarantine, like on the road when after games." He's like, "Yeah, I, I finished the. Uh, I watched a documentary on the going to work team, and I and I rewatched the uh, Bad Boys doc, and I tweeted that immediately. I knew that was just like that that's was going to tighten that was going to tighten everybody's pants on Twitter. Yeah, so like I had to, to let that one fly." Here's a
0: question. When Troy Weaver said the, uh, I don't dip my toe in the water, I'm at the front of the roller coaster, my clip is always empty, um, that all-time quote, did everybody in unison cheer and applaud the way that I imagine they did? Because that is an all-time quote. Like, that's
1: amazing. (laughs) Well, uh, I would say we all laughed. uh, Okay. It was through the screen. And I couldn't stop. I like I was cracking up, and he laughed. I think he saw me cracking up. <laughs> like we didn't cheer because I mean, at least I didn't. Like again, there's a level of professionalism. Well, I'm obviously being hyperbolic, but right, right, no, we all. Uh, I cracked up. The one that got me, like the dip in the toe in the water, like that's pretty cliche. But when he said I sit at the front of the roller coaster with my hands up, I, I cracked up. That was funny. That I, was good. He's he's a funny dude. I don't, he, he obviously plays the shadows, but in the conversations I've had with him, he's. He's really a down-to-earth dude. Massive uh, Washington sports fan.
0: Yeah, I remember you were telling me about that. Um, like it was, I think, like the day before the Lions played the Washington football team, or something like that. There was a joke that was made about it. Or maybe it was the day after. I don't remember yeah, what sa- it was.
1: I-, I said condolences to your your football That's what team because yeah. they lost to the Lions, and <laughs> he just he didn't look he didn't look happy. Here's what I'm confused about. I've been meaning to ask you about this for um,
0: probably actually yeah a month because. I almost called it media day, media week, as it were, um, was over. Well, it was about a month ago now. So I've been meaning to ask you for a while. And then something that Blake said today um, actually reminded me. So this is a good time to finally bring this up to you. Troy Weaver, first of all, had mentioned, um, you know, I I saw everybody making jokes about the center things and, you know, you know, like get him off because I I do like centers. Where is he reading that? That that man, he's got burners. (laughs) Where is he reading that?
1: I would imagine that. I mean, national outlets wrote it. Yeah, I guess. So I'm sure he saw it from there, and I'm sure. I mean, like he has people that are on Twitter. Um, his people are like, there's people in the front office and the coaching staff that read what we do and and check tweets from fans. Like they see all. Like he's he's definitely going to be aware of somebody's uh, making jokes for sure. sure. And I and people wrote that nationally, like about the center thing.
0: And then with Blake, a guy whose social media presence kind of comes and goes was talking about things that like fans were saying um, you actually mentioned it at the top of the episode about how, you know, it's really easy for people to develop um, bad habits, bad tendencies on a team full of young guys. And it actually mm-hmm. takes a pretty strong presence of mind to not do so to avoid that. Um, and he's, you know, talking about things that fans are saying that I think what he said was that, you know, everybody wants us to be bad and, and, you know, go for the top pick again. I'm like, I really hope Blake has never read any. I don't think I've said anything bad about him, but that terrifies me. I said this in
1: the in the comments of an uh, one of my stories. Somebody I forgot what the reader said, or no, it was during a Q and A, and I it was mean of me to say, but I I said I'm going to laugh the day that Blake leaves, and he talks shit about the Pistons fan base, because yeah, like these he knows how to use Twitter if he wants if he doesn't think he played well and he wants to <laughs> see what like Blake like. Just because he doesn't tweet doesn't mean he doesn't look like they have a lot of yeah, and like I get it like fans are always like on forget the old on with the new, Um, they want to see the the the, there's always with with, in sports fandom there's always the the mystique of the unknown like they don't know what Seku can be and they want to find out they know what Blake is. I'll say this, he's in a. This is actually I'm glad we're doing the podcast because I wouldn't really write this. Um Blake came to Detroit via trade didn't about, decide about to come four here. years ago mind you yep twenty my first year 2018 I'll never forget it. i've I've told you the story of when Blake got traded you and were I was you were trying
0: that. to go to the club or casinos where you casino were going. yeah yeah yep, yep. I like got a gas station to turn around.
1: yep my buddy had traveled an hour and a half in the blizzard to <laughs> come hang out and he then I had to send him <laughs> home um Blake has come to Detroit been nothing but a professional has always boosted the organization and the fans any chance he gets nationally gave the fans literally the best individual season that they've probably had since grant hill times and as soon as he's not able to perform anymore everybody is just calling him trash and washed and like i get it that's part of sports fandom i totally get it but like Fans it's are disingenuous as well. People that. are forgetting like how much this guy has represented this organization. That was a laughing stock and still continues to be one yeah. at a time. Like he brought legit, like he legitimately carried a team to the playoffs so much so that he almost like he lost his leg. He can't play basketball anymore. Yeah. that's, like, that's for, how he For did the it. Yeah. people of Detroit, he yeah. came back in the playoffs when his team was down 0-2 to Milwaukee. On one leg. That that it, knee brace was was the size was, of LCA itself. Dude, it was Stone Cold Steve Austin-esque. Yeah. I was waiting for him to smash beers together and flick somebody <laughs> off. And, like, I get it. It's fandom. You want to get on with the new. But the amount of Blake slander for a guy that literally has – like, he's he's been nothing but a professional and embraced this city and this organization – and again, brought the best individual season that this franchise has seen in some time, and sure. it's just people are just stepping on him like like he's like he's just another player, and it's just like I get it. Uh, again, I get it, but there's certain players you should probably have some respect for and understand the circumstances, and I think Blake has more than deserved uh, kind of the. Tr- or has not deserved at all the treatment that he's gotten on social media, and I say that to say I'm sure he sees all of it.
0: Yeah, no, I, I and I agree. I was because I was going to bring that up earlier. Um, I didn't know if we were going to go the Blake route today, so I didn't want to, you know, take us there. But um, what I was going to say was how quickly they forget, yeah. right? Like it, I've been. This is another thing I've been thinking about for probably probably about a week now. Um, Somebody had texted me and and and, and brought up um, uh, 2017, 2018 Lebron, which by the approximation of myself is the best basketball player that has ever lived ever. I could give you a an hour long um, history lesson on that season and everything that he was. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that hierarchy, I don't know where it would be, is 2018, 2019 Blake Griffin, as as me personally, one of the best basketball players I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, transcending your three point shot. Um, in order to be able to actually perform the way that you did. Um, you, know, you make an all-star team. You're a it's third team. It's one of the
1: greatest transformations in NBA history. Period. Yes.
0: It, this, isn't a, this isn't a discussion. Like James no. is not posing that as a question. That is a fact. Yeah. Um, third team, all-NBA, and you know, coming back in that Milwaukee series, as James mentioned, a series that we had no business ever winning a single game, which I, I think was sort of the goal, right? I think we all were just like, give us one. Um, and that—that's kind of all we were looking for. That's all I wanted was one game. I wanted to lose in five. I did not. Where are you? Ta- get swept.
1: When are saying that's all? Like when you say that's all we want? Like you're talking about fans, not the franchise. Sure. Me, I'm sorry. Oh, yes. Me, yeah. As fans,
0: I think most of yeah. us were like, we're getting swept. Win one game. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would um, say
1: people would have been happy with one win since it's been. What is it's been since 2007 since they won a playoff game.
0: Yeah, it's been a decade, I believe. And then, you know, given the the recent history of Detroit sports as a whole, um, that's just kind of where, you know, we're all at. So um, and then, you know, he he leaves the game uh, in game four. He fouls out and he's walking to the bench and everybody was giving him a standing ovation. Right. The reason that they gave him a standing ovation is because everybody in the moment had the presence of mind to recognize what he had given to the city, to the franchise. Um, you know, for, for that moment, I don't care that we got swept and for that year. Yeah. And, you know, I remember in the exit interviews, um, I believe it was Blake and Casey both mentioned that as sort of the, the foundation moving forward. We want to build on the, on that season. Right. You know, you go into next year from the jump preseason game. Number one, Blake's had the surgery months have passed and you're like, oh, you're still not there. Elevation's gone. His jumper's even more flat than it normally is, um, and you know he can't he he can't elevate around the rim. He can't do anything. Obviously, go get gets uh, surgery in December. Then everything falls apart. And you know the Andre trade was sort of the the white flag. And then it's like, okay, the rebuilds here.
1: Yeah. Um, and then what also, were your, the, what were your thoughts on where they were? Like, did you want them to rebuild? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, well, I was on board with it once I realized that, like, I think it was a, around New Year's Day of last year when um, the report started circulating that, like, we were taking calls on Andre. And yeah. that, that, to me... We were me, in L.A.,
1: was, actually. I remember that. Yeah.
0: Um. So then it was, because that's when, if we were in L.A., that's when Sekou started for the first time. That was, yep. like, after it was cl- the
1: New Year. Yep, started the Clippers game. Um.
0: So that, to me, was like, a, if Tom Gores is willing to let go that tells me everything i need to know about the direction of this team and and that's fine i think that's fair and it's and it's and it's time right what i was worried about is exactly what has come to fruition is you finally engage in a rebuild and now people are are mad that we're bad um i think and i think yeah. one of the reasons something you mentioned earlier is like well you know we're, if if we play seku 25 30 minutes a game we're not going to go to the playoffs i think where people would challenge you there is they Love the idea of Detroit being Memphis last year. Right. And the reality of that is it was such a unique situation where Ja came into the league, um, had all these pieces around him that like everybody was in the exact right place that they needed to be. I think you and I have talked about this a little yeah. bit. Um, like They're, Dylan Brooks, D'Anthony Melton. Well, don't um, forget,
1: yeah, like Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson haven't walked through uh the Windsor tunnel like it's the, the, that that's the biggest difference uh and, like I know what fans wanted but like yeah Killian's not the same type of player Ja is sure and there's no ja, and there's no Jaren Jackson yeah. but I get I get it like people would have been happy if they made the 8 seed with a primarily 26 and under lineup totally sure. I get it I think um I think that would have been well for that to happen somebody would have had probably an all-star trajectory uh, so maybe it's not bad. I still think that this team needs, needs talent. And I like, would, yeah. I mean,
0: just to that, I would wager that Jeremy Grant is on that. Now, here's what I'll say. Right. This, well, this I meant is... I
1: had before the, yeah. Like going into this season before gotcha. we knew what Jeremy was. Yeah,
0: sure. Um, This is. um. Shoot. I actually forgot where I was going with it. I'm sorry. So I'll, I'll just say a different point. I'll say a different point. Here's what I love about Jeremy Grant. I mentioned this um, probably about a week ago. I have so much respect for Jeremy Grant for one major reason. Anybody who will hoop in a pair of nines
1: or threes. I was thinking about that last night. I need oh to ask Jeremy. Oh, my God. He's like, I can't hoop in jays. Like, Oof, I just don't no. like the way they feel. But he's no. hooping in nines. Like, those are, like, the most gaudy of jays. Nines and
0: threes, because he, he, I think it was the Mocha threes. I never got a close up look at them, so I never I knew what he ones did they hoop were in
1: the Mocha threes. Yeah, but he's been playing in the nines the last like week or so. Yeah.
0: And that is, and, and he's not just playing in them. Like, he's getting he's,
1: buckets in the nines. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's I, a little bow wow.
0: Like, don't downplay like this. If people are listening to this and they're like, I don't understand the significance of this, imagine playing in cinder blocks, okay? Yeah. And scoring 30 a game. Right.
1: That's, yeah. no, insane. seriously. It's very, it's very similar. What does, uh, what was little Bow Wow's name in uh, like Mike Calvin something? I don't Calvin even remember. Cambridge. I think that, sounds- that is what. Yeah, I think that's what that's, it was. We that's Jeremy. We need the. Uh, they're coming out with Space Jam too. We need like Mike too because Jeremy's <laughs> on a different level playing in those nines right now.
0: Yeah. Um. With the Grant thing, I mean, in the what well, he goes back to back games. Um. Thirty one in both of them. Uh. Through two games, he's at sixty two and twenty. Um. With I think only two turnovers. Right. Like that's been his biggest thing. Is oh, actually, I remember what I was gonna say. So I'm just gonna say it now. One of the reasons that James and I wanted to start this show, um, we're going to wrap up here in a minute. One of the reasons that James and I wanted to start this show was because he is so good at talking me down from a ledge. Um, We didn't (laughs) get to the Bruce Brown thing. I said we were going to do that. I guess that'll be in the next episode. Yeah. Um, But one of the first examples really was the Bruce Brown trade. Um, In a span of about 15 minutes, I went from like, I'm a Bucks fan to like, oh, wait, (laughs) okay, no, I get it. I get it. Okay. Yeah. Um,
1: so, and there's nothing to get like i under, again I understand why fans are are upset that Bruce Brown, a guy who very much embodied what the city likes about its players and was a young guy what they got him for what looks to be a pick in the early thirties right now. I don't imagine Toronto's going to continue to be that bad, and Musa, who's no longer with the team, I understand being frustrated with that. I would just say, as much as you liked Bruce Brown and were invested in Bruce Brown, the player in person I, I think you can find a Bruce Brown in any draft.
0: Yeah. Um, again, I have a whole theory I, I meant to pitch to you today. That'll be for Friday's episode. Really excited to hear your thoughts on that. Yep. But on the Jeremy Grant thing, um, I was like sealed and signed. She's not my lover. Like Billy Jean, the kid is mine. Jeremy Grant's an all-star this year. <laughs> um, and then James did the thing where he uh, reminds me of something that I kind of forgot about. And that is the Bradley Beal thing. Oh, yeah. Where, like, it doesn't matter um, what you're averaging, it doesn't matter what you're putting up, um, doesn't matter what your impact is. If your team stinks, you might not make an all star game,
1: right? And, and I think, and I told you, I, I think Jeremy has the benefit of a uh, shock, sure, where, where Bradley might have had fatigue. Where it's like, we know how good Bradley Beal is, the team's bad, we're not voting for him. Where Jeremy's like, oh, I didn't know he could do this. Which and has his, been the
0: reception, by the way. Yeah, the exactly. Ball, so everybody. that could
1: benefit him in, in comparison yeah. to what happened to Bradley Beal last year, who was averaging, I think, what was he averaging, 30 last year? He was
0: averaging, like, 33 a game at the All-Star break, yeah.
1: Something crazy, yeah. Um, so,
0: James, we're going to wrap up this inaugural episode of the Bun and Cardigan show. Um, but before we I'll, do that...
1: And I know it's, I, I want to, before you wrap up, I'm going to wrap up with something after you wrap up. Okay i have a surprise <laughs> well, the, for you it's not that oh great, really but yeah, okay it's not
0: that great um so here's what we're going to do at the end of every single episode we are going to take james's wonderful mind and his wonderful stories and experiences um in year four on the beat and i'm going to name a random player and he has to tell us a fun interaction or a funny story um you know maybe <laughs> maybe something cool that happened okay um with a player that he's covered so far something that i that, can share that that you can share, yeah. um, something that you wouldn't write about, but, like, it's a pretty cool story. Are you ready yeah. for me to name the player? Yes. Let's make everybody mad. Christian Wood.
1: Okay. So, this actually is a two birds, one stone. It also involves Jaleel Okafor.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying this. So, in New Orleans last year, um, I'm at a Marriott Hotel, which is... It's in this building that it's a mall, but the, the 10th floor, 10th through 15th floor is a Marriott hotel. Okay. But like when I leave the hotel, I have to go down an elevator and it, I'm in, I'm literally in a mall. Like I'm looking at like a Sabaros, I don't know. Something yeah. like that. So I'm coming down from my room. It's it's nighttime in New Orleans. Like I'm getting ready to meet up with Rod and Johnny Kane um, and Austin Drake. Like we're going to go do the Just New the, Orleans thing. The fellas. Yeah. Just the fellas. Like the road crew. <laughs> we're going to go to New Orleans. We're going to go out, and I'm, like, a couple blocks from Bourbon Street. Like, I'm walking. So I get down the elevator, and it opens. And I start, I'm, like, looking down, and I walk out, and I see two giant human beings. I look up. It's Christian Wood and Jalil Okafor inside the mall. After hours, the mall is closed. Oh. So, and they're they're greeting me off the elevator. And I don't know Jalil at this point at all yeah. like he plays for the pelicans him and christian are friends like they i think i don't know what the relationship is because
0: well, christian played in new orleans
1: right but i don't know if, was john ja that team then he well John ja
0: also played in philly where christian would also play
1: right so there's a relationship they're friends sure. and it's not the like it's not like they play the next day in new, like they play the next night like it's sure. an, it's a free night so i get off the elevator i'm like oh like i'm startled and christian's like oh what up james i'm like oh what's up christian and i look at john ja, he's like do you know where the TGI Fridays is? (laughs) And I'm like, the TGI Fridays. He's like, yeah, is it around here? I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, bro, like, you live here. I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh, I think it's down that way at the other end. It's it's that, because there was a TGI Fridays connected to the mall. Yeah. I'm like, I think it's down the hall that way. And Christian's like laughing. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm not sure where it is. He's like, do you know if anything else is open this late to eat? I'm like, dude, you live here. Like, I don't. I'm from Flint, Michigan. I live in Troy. Like, I don't know. You, I'm sure. but I said to him, I, I think there's something on Bourbon Street. He's like, Yeah, we don't want to do that. That's yeah. I'm yeah. like, oh, Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't help you. And then that's good. That was it. Yeah. J- J- Jalil for asked me if the T.J. Fridays was open in the city that he lived in, and if any, if he could get food anywhere else. <laughs> Oh
0: man, that's good. I picked a good name. That was, that was a really good. good story. That's good. Um, I like
1: that. I like that segment.
0: Yeah. Um we'll have to come up with a snappier name. I don't think Story Time with James. Well, actually that's kind of my thing cuz I, I like guess that. questions that I'm tired of answering isn't a great segment name <laughs> either. Um I think that so I guess it's just on brand that mine is like a super vanilla name. I like um, that. That's a great bit. James, uh your uh wrap up, which again, I I don't know what this is. This Is is yeah. this what it feels like to be on the spot, what I always do to
1: you? Yeah, but, like, you're going to be let down because it's not that great. But it's, I'm not thinking it's
0: anything. I just think you're going to say goodbye or something.
1: No, no, no. We're both uh, music fans. So, sure. like, we want people to listen to this podcast. And then when they turn this off, I thought it would be cool for us to name every single podcast at the end, name one album for fans to go listen to. It can be old. It can be new. Can you do yours first? Let me look at something. Okay. Um... I rest in peace to MF Doom. I'm a massive fan, have been for a long time, um, since about '06, my freshman year of high school. And his passing uh, really messed me up. Like I'm not a guy that like gets beat up over like stars or mu- musicians, but like that was like the one that's like on my list, like my sure. Mount Rushmore. So everybody go check out if you're into obscure rap or if you're into rap and want to hear like, or if you've heard of Doom and didn't know what to check out. I think the best, I think this album, Mad Villainy by MF Doom and Mad Lib is the quintessential underground obscure rap album of its time. It's, every song's like no more than two minutes. There's like 18 songs. It's crazy beats, crazy rhymes. It's just a, an experience. And I think a lot of the stuff that you hear today and like the underground scene came from that. So MF sure. Doom, Mad Lib, together, they're mad villain. The album mad villainy
0: all right um i'm gonna go with one that is kind of topical based on something we were talking about earlier i'm gonna go with um black milk and danny brown's
1: Ooh, black uh, and brown black and brown jordan and threes brown. yeah that's um, my joint
0: what's that song uh lucy that's my favorite one Lucy. Um, and then uh the opening track uh sound check yep is one of my favorite album intros of the decade
1: I I haven't listened to that album in a long time, and I love Danny. I've I've been, I still listen to, uh, you know what I'm saying, his latest. Yeah. But Triple X, obviously classic. That's a good one. That is a, uh, I didn't expect you to say that. That's great. I I I hope people check that out. Danny Brown is, I think, the most uh, creative rapper to come out of Detroit.
0: What did you think I was going to say? Like some indie record that you've never heard of before?
1: I, I thought you wanted to get your Tame Impala rocks off. I'll, I, was, I, was I mean, every for that. but
0: people know who Tame Impala. Sure, go listen to uh, "Currents" by Tame Impala. The same thing that every twenty-two year old <laughs> has ever listened to. Go listen to "The Slow Rush" by Tame Impala. No, um, "Black and Brown." Uh, go listen to it. It's amazing. Um, James, do you have any shot. closing thoughts? You want me to wrap this baby
1: up? No, thank you. I'm excited to do this. This went exactly how I envisioned. Like we haven't practiced, and this was fun. I, I think people will really like it. Um, yeah. make sure you go check out the athletic um again if you're not familiar because and you got to the end of this podcast i cover the detroit pistons for the athletic um got a story on sadiq bay and life behind the three-point lineup now um i wrote a story on jeremy grant recently where i talked to him and, and he told me that part of the reason he came to detroit was um for reasons outside of basketball i won't if you haven't read that i'll tease you with that Good So go check tease. that out that's great yeah uh, um yeah, subscription. It's it's a subscription-based site. It's I'll say this: you get your bang for your buck. If you subscribe for Pistons content, you get coverage of every pro team, every college team. If you're into soccer, we have the best soccer coverage in the world. Like you get a subscription. If you subscribe through my store, you get access to everything. And I always say it's just one less beer a month. We always have deals. Sometimes it's a dollar ninety-nine a month. Sometimes it's twenty dollars for a year. Even at its highest mark which it's just one beer less a month for you if you're yeah. uh, if you're a drinker what
0: uh what, what what was what was the deal that i got in on it was like a dollar a month for 12 yeah months. it was black Friday. What it was, it was yeah. 12
1: dollars for a year yeah
0: um that was the first this, so this is the first time i've ever been subscribed to the athletic because of that um and i can vouch for everything that james says it's easy for james to say it when he's selling it to you because he's the one putting out the content um i've read every single thing that uh james has written um, Sam Amick is also great. Yep, um, Sam Amick,
1: Sham Sharania, yep. um, D- David Aldridge. These are all, mm-hmm. these are all my coworkers.
0: And um, you know they like they they wrote several pizza, pieces. I almost said pizzas. Several pieces breaking down the whole like Bogdanovich thing with Milwaukee. Like you get a lot of information that um, will be aggregated elsewhere, but you get to really sort of you know get to the bottom of it. So, alright, ladies and gentlemen. Well, if you made it this far, genuinely. Uh, Thank you very, very much for listening. Next episode will be dropping on Friday. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. We will catch you guys in the
1: next one. Peace.